So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast where we teach you how to grow your photography business if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog posts check out sixfigurephotography.com now here's your host ben hartley Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 54 of the SFP podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Ben Hartley with Style and Story Creative. And of course, you're listening to it, Six Figure Photography. Thank you guys so much for being here. If you are an avid listener, my gratitude goes out to you. You know what we are all about. If this is one of your early episodes that you happen to be tuning in for, let me tell you what SFP is about. Six Figure Photography is all about helping you guys grow your business. That's really it. I'm all about bringing in uh, other industry experts, sometimes photographers, marketing specialists, sometimes people outside of this industry, interviewing them and trying to extract the best bit of information that you in turn can go and apply to your business. That is what we are about. And today we have Heidi Thompson. She is a business strategist and marketing professional. And today we're going to be talking about some of the best tips on how to find your ideal client and how to make those clients find you. We also get into some value conversations in terms of how we make decisions. Look, enough of me. Let's talk to Heidi. Heidi, welcome back to the SFP podcast. Thank you so much for being here again. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's been a little over a year, I think, at least close to it. Yeah, it's been a minute. So let's catch the audience up a little bit here. Have you moved since the last time we talked? Where are we calling from? Um, let's see. So I think I'm in the same place as <laughs> we talk. Uh, I've been in San Diego for a little over a year. So I think I'm in the same place when we last spoke. Awesome. So a little over a year. What brought you to San Diego? The weather. The weather. Of course. Like Seriously. Always. Really, really for real. Awesome. And where, did you find making the shift, um, as a creative was that challenge kind of moving into a market? Uh, look, I know look, every market's flooded. I think that in our minds, we think of San Diego, we think of, you know, uh, big cities as being, uh, more flooded, the competition being even stiffer. Did you find that to be a challenge? Um, I haven't, but I do a lot of work with people all over the planet and that was definitely really helpful, but actually I found kind of the opposite. It's been more opportunities. Like I just got to speak at Wedding Wire World in LA because it was a two hour drive and not, you know, a 12 hour flight from England where I was living. Yeah. 
Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Well, we're going to be talking, uh, you, you've got a, a book that just launched here, uh, this last month. And so, um, this is a really exciting thing. The topic that you're going to be talking about, um, your book is called clone your best clients, correct? Yep, that's right. So we're talking all things ideal client, um, focused marketing, target marketing, all kinds of really exciting stuff that, I mean, actually it is really exciting. I think maybe uh, as photographers, as creatives, we hear the, the talk and the jargon about identifying your ideal client all the time. And we're all just kind of like, yeah, we got to do that someday. Yeah, I really got to focus things up someday, but we just want to keep shooting. But this is one of those things that when when you actually like start in and you see the process and you see how it works, and then you start to see the results, it actually is something to get really excited about. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited to, to chat about it, uh, to hear your, your expertise on it. Before we go that route, though, catch us up to speed on how you ended up uh, kind of developing the curriculum for understanding uh, the need, the requirement for identifying your ideal client. Like even, let's start from... I mean, let's start from year one, bullet points. How did you get to where you are today? And how did you identify this as a critical, essential uh, step? Well, when I started this business, it was off the back of a wedding fair that I created in the UK that brought together an unserved market. It was a really quirky alternative couples and vendors that totally cater to them and not your typical white fluffy wedding. Sure. And because I had worked in marketing in a lot of different types of companies and I'm just kind of a nerd for it, I found I was spending a lot of time coaching my exhibitors to help them get a better return on their investment so that, you know, they would actually have a good experience with my event and they would come back and say good things about it. You know, all of those things definitely feed into whether you're going to decide to go back to an event. So it kind of hit me at that point and it in a funny way because I I don't know I guess I just assumed everyone's just into the stuff that I'm into you know what I've made that same assumption multiple times about my own interests like everyone else must be like totally interested in the uh, in the psychology of pricing strategy as it relates yeah. to your copywriting <laughs> like everyone must be fascinated with this right I'm like wait they're not <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, okay. Okay. I see a place where I can help here. So with my business, I started off focusing on marketing strategy and it has since shifted to both marketing strategy and business strategy because, I mean, you really have to have both of them. If you have a marketing strategy but a crappy pricing model, it's not going to work. Sure. So it's kind of funny. This process that I developed in that I put together for Clone Your Best Clients, I developed first for myself, actually, mm -hmm. because there were times where I felt like I was losing a little bit of focus, losing a little bit of clarity. I was going to, you know, create a course, create something, but there just wasn't a feeling of like, yeah, they're going to love that. Mm -hmm. So I decided to start interviewing my best clients and people who fit my ideal client. And that righted the ship every single time. I mean, they told me exactly 
what they needed and why, because all of those things are super important for marketing. Motivation is a huge thing that we often just assume. Explain that better. you, You caught me on that one. Motivation is a thing we often assume. Explain that. Yeah. So in the instance, I I get this a lot with wedding planners. So wedding planners assume that the motivation for hiring a wedding planner is that the people don't have time, that they're working like 50, 60 hour weeks. Mm -hmm. And that's an assumption that may or may not be the case until you actually talk to people and test that assumption. And if you're marketing based on that assumption, your marketing isn't going to connect if the people that you're marketing to don't really care so much about the time factor, but they care about uh, having a wedding that looks amazing or that they don't have to worry about. They just don't want to have to deal with all of the pieces. I see what you're getting at. Yep. So definitely the way you position yourself most of the time is based on an assumption. And it really doesn't have to be because you can talk to these people and they will give you the information that you need in order to effectively clone them to get more people in the door just like them. And I started applying this with uh, my one-on-one clients and I saw they had a lot of uh, great success with it. And then that's when it kind of clicked for me that probably about 90% of the questions I get come down to a fundamental like not understanding or misunderstanding of who they're marketing to. And so to bring this kind of just to be super clear, to, to break this down into layman's terms for photographers, the, the, when you're talking about what motivates a buyer and the assumptions that we have to put it into photography terms, uh, for example, oftentimes photographers assume that the motivation that a, a bride or a groom would have to hire them would be maybe, for example, I want pretty pictures, right? That's what you're, you're, that's what you're saying is we make the assumption of why our, yeah. our clients buy. And it may or may not be true. And so, okay, good, good, good. I just oh. want to continue to make it as clear as possible to the listeners. Uh, and it's, I think it's, pro- it's probably helpful for them to understand, too. You're talking about this in terms of outside of the photography industry uh, in some of your examples, right? Um, and so it can be helpful to understand the context of that. Uh, because, look like all great things. And and as we talk about business and marketing, uh, we should be looking oftentimes outside of the niche that we're in and start looking at other experts. Right. And I don't know about you, but I feel like that really helps me when I see something applied in a different way, in a different industry. It's like, okay, I see what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's where I learned. And I see that actually. Yeah. I see that in San Diego branding of craft breweries in San Diego is insanely good mm-hmm. because they have to. They're <laughs> yeah, <you>. yeah. <laughs> and just seeing that, it's like, oh, okay, I see what you did with that. That's interesting. How you went that way with the copy, or you went that way with the images, or whatever it is. Yeah, for sure. So then how now has, let's keep going with this a little bit further. And then I want to jump into some of, I I read through some of the chapters. I haven't actually uh, consumed the whole book, but I I identified some of the chapters that had some really interesting titles that I want to kind of dig in here a little bit. And so you identified that there was assumptions that were being made. And so um, what was, what's been like the, the biggest pain point or the biggest point of failure when those assumptions get made? Well, really what it comes down to is that you don't have that experience 
that you have when you walk into a store or when you land on a site and you're like, oh, yes, I'm home. These people totally get me. This is my kind of people. And that's how you want to make people feel because if you don't, then you're just another photographer. Mm -hmm. It's easy to compare. But if you're the go-to person for whoever this person is and you can show by – uh, the images that you use, the tone that you use, the words that you use, that you understand them and you get them. Who doesn't want to work with someone that you feel like you just have a connection with just looking at their website? Sure. So we're going to circle back then around to, I think, this whole concept of not making assumptions and how we solve that problem. But let's, I, w- I want to kind of jab a little bit here. Maybe these are some underhanded questions that you'll just kind of home run. We'll see. But, you know, as a photographer, especially when I first started out, right, let's go back to, look, let's go back to like month one, right? We just opened shop. Uh, we're shooting a little bit. We're starting to charge for work. I'm trying to make that transition of going from part-time to full-time. And, and I heard this. I heard a lot of conversation about like, well, we need to, you need to identify your, your ideal client. You need to identify your target client. But I'm like, yo, I need anything. I need money. I need someone to pay me so I can like get this thing going. And so I, I guess I want to chat and you, you mentioned this in the chapter title, but like the, the limiting factor of an ideal client, is that a real thing? Is that, uh, is that a myth? I mean, I th- it's certainly at the very least, uh, a psychological hurdle that a photographer has to kind of overcome as you're just starting out. What, what are your thoughts on that? I totally get where you're coming from. And logically, yeah, you're absolutely right. But people aren't logical <laughs> and that's definitely not how markets work because markets aren't logical either. Sure. So, There are a couple things to note here. So one is when you decide who you want to be the go-to person for, and I think sometimes that's a more helpful way to frame it than who your ideal client is, because then you're thinking about who do you want coming to you? I feel like sometimes when we talk about who our ideal client is, it's more of like a pursuit kind of language, which can hinder how you're thinking about it. So When you think about, okay, who is the kind of person who you just wish you could clone and work with over and over and over again, that's the kind of person you want to be attracting more of. Well, magnets work both ways, and they have to. So if you want a stronger repelling force for a particular group, or sorry, a stronger attracting force for a particular group, you're going to repel. Sure. But you're going to be a beacon for those people who are perfect for you. You're going to stand out among the sea of photographers that are around you that aren't putting a stake in the ground and saying, okay, I am the go-to wedding photographer, family photographer, whatever it is for this type of person. And when this type of person finds me, they are not going to want to compare me to anybody else because I'm the go-to person. Yeah. And I think too, real quick, you said it was ideal. You, you kind of framed, uh, two different terms. You said, this is why you prefer this other term over ideal client. What was the terminology that you used? Yeah. So I feel like when you think about who you want to be the go-to person for, you're thinking about people. That's what you said. Yeah. And you think about the, who you want coming to you. And I feel like it's a more practical 
way to think about it. This term ideal client is so weird and abstract. Yeah, it's a little abstract, 100%. And, and it's, a, it's almost overused. It kind of reminds me of the term value, which it's, <laughs> it's used so much it becomes just like a wishy-washy, what is, what is that? Everyone believes that they're doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's like how do you actually pin that down? Yes. And when you're thinking in terms of, okay, maybe there's someone you've worked with. Maybe there's someone that you know that maybe you haven't worked with, but maybe it's like a friend of yours and their wedding is the kind of wedding you want to be shooting. Mm-hmm. Having an actual person in mind definitely helps to pin that down so you don't get caught up in the weird abstractness of ideal client because I can see why when you're thinking of it that way, it doesn't matter because it's this weird made up thing. This person may or may not exist. I'm just going to make up a person. Sure. But back to uh, whether this actually limits you or not. I think a lot of people think that this is something they have to do in such a hard and fast way. But they don't actually have to. You don't have to slam the door on anyone who's coming your way. But by gradually shifting the way that you're marketing yourself so that you're getting closer and closer and closer to that kind of person without alienating maybe the people who are essentially putting food on your table, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's actually easier to go gradually. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is a very similar conversation in regards to pricing. Like the photographer who's charging ten thousand dollars. I mean, let's let's take our company Stylestory Creative for example. You know, charging seven to ten thousand dollars for a wedding. We didn't just you know wake up one day and put that number on our our product and our service. Right? It's that's something that took years of gradual, slow, consistent. Uh, small intervals, right? It's like when you look mm-hmm. you're at the standing at the top of the stairs, you've heard this before, you're standing at the top of the stairs and you're looking down and you're like, shoot, that's a really far way down, like to make that entire leap. And you just do one step every quarter, you know, every month, whatever it may be, and you chip it away. I love it. And I think that um, the pricing one makes sense, but I think the the conversation about, you know, being the go-to person or, be, you know, acquiring that ideal client, it feels like one, I think, in our minds that you should be able to just flip a switch for. And so your encouragement is don't flip the switch. Take a step, right? I mean, if it's going to take food out of your kids' mouths, no, don't do that. Sure. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm all about, you know, like gradual evolution, gradual change, if that is what is going to best suit you and your situation. You shouldn't feel like that's the only way. Like it's just all in or nothing. Mm -hmm. You can definitely be working with like people who are just coming to you because they know you, friends, friends of friends, but also be shifting the way you're talking shifting the language you're using, shifting the what shoots you decide to showcase on your site to attract that right person. Yes. So let's talk about identifying that right person. And so the, um, what's the, I mean, step one in the process, apart from I, I recognize the importance, the need to, to position myself as the go-to person for a specific niche. 
what does it look like to begin to identify that niche? And and even as we talk about this, I want to get very practical with this and give clear, actionable steps for anyone who's listening right now and, and you're in this stage. Yeah, and I think when we talk in terms of ideal client, when we talk in terms of niche, these are big, broad terms. And because I'm a total nerd and I know this kind of thing, the human brain cannot cope with applying empathy to groups. This is why when you see commercials for like Save the Children, they're talking about one kid. This kid has a name. They're looking at the camera. They might be talking or doing something. But you can't be like, save all these millions of kids because we're unable to relate to a group of people, but we can relate to one person or a couple of people. So the first step is definitely thinking about who those people are that you have already worked with that you wish you could clone. You you wish you could just throw them in a cloning machine. It could be a conveyor belt of awesome people that you get to work with over and over and over again. This uh, harkens uh, visuals of I was a big Calvin and Hobbes fan growing up of like the the clone machine that Calvin would make from the cartoon, <laughs> like the little cardboard <laughs> box with the dial. Uh, there's a certain comic where he like clones like a, a million of himself. I completely digress. <laughs> Can I push back here for a second, Heidi? Because for many of the listeners right now. They they don't they haven't photographed their ideal client. They may not have even photographed anyone yet. They're, they've just moved to a new city. They're just starting out, or maybe everyone that they photographed has just been kind of like meh. And so, what does the person do who who doesn't have uh, the experience of of photographing an ideal client? So there are a couple of things here. If you have people that you've worked with and you're like, oh, good lord, never again. That's still really useful because you can dig into that and think about what it was about them that you really didn't like and who they are as people, you know, is going to directly influence their behavior. And because we're in business with people, not weird, amorphous groups of ideal clients, it's definitely valuable to have an understanding of who like the antithesis of your ideal client is. Mm -hmm. So if you know, you don't want this kind of person looking at who they are, uh, how they talk about or talked about your service, what was important to them, you know, maybe they were far more price sensitive than someone that you want to be photographing, or maybe they were just doing it out of obligation. So these kind of things, you can create like a reverse, like a, like a bizarro world, ideal sure, client, sure, sure. <laughs> out of that. But if and I'm, I'm a huge fan of experimentation, you certainly don't have to just like pump the brakes and like, I'm not going to take on anybody until I figure out who's perfect. Because you actually learn this through working with people and it changes over time. Mm-hmm. So who you're ideal client is today is likely going to be very different than who it is three, five, 10 years from now, because you change your business changes, how you want to do things is going to change. So I really honestly believe that taking a stab at something that you think is 
who you want to be working with is better than trying to please everybody because you can always pivot from there. If that isn't exactly the kind of person you want to work with, you can always change it up. But when you're trying to attract everybody, that has a way of not resonating with anyone because it's not really directed at anyone. You guys, I got to interrupt for a hot second and give a awesome thank you shout out to one of the big supporters of the SFP podcast. I want to thank FreshBooks. You guys, I, I get the chance to talk to hundreds, if not thousands of photographers on the weekly. And one of the consistent things that I hear time and time again in regards to challenges in the business, points of pain within running your own business as a freelance photographer is accounting. It's, it just comes up every single time. What do I do with accounting? How do I manage this? Where do I outsource? Do I outsource? Like I'm supposed to be a creative. I don't do well with numbers. I don't track numbers well. Even getting paid, like how do I make sure uh, that I'm processing payments properly, tracking all that data properly? And one of the best pieces of advice that I have for you if you're running your business is make sure that you have a system in place uh, to help you uh, with your invoicing, a system in place to help you uh, track your your payments, a system in place uh, to help you track all of your accounting. And so with that being said, you guys, please do yourself the biggest favor that you can and go check out FreshBooks. And this is now a super no-brainer because there's a 30-day free trial that I'll tell you guys about here in just a minute. But FreshBooks has been completely redesigned, uh, just com- like completely from the ground up. It's an all cloud-based accounting software that's going to allow you to create professional invoices in like 30 seconds, set up online payments within just a couple of clicks that will allow you to get paid up to four times faster. And a really cool feature is you can actually view, track when your client has seen those invoices, and it really puts an end to that guessing game of when is the money going to show up for you guys. And so here's the deal. Like I said, FreshBooks please go check it out. They are offering you guys a 30-day unrestricted free trial. It's the full package for 30 days to claim it. It's just for you guys, by the way. To claim it, you need to go to freshbooks.com backslash photography, and then you need to enter six-figure photography. That's S-I-X, six-figure photography in the how did you hear about a section, and they're going to hook you guys up. Please do yourself a favor and look into this. All right, let's jump back in. Um, I want to push in a completely opposite direction now, uh, because I just brought up the idea of a photographer who, you know, they don't have anyone, that kind of thing. But you talked about this being something that can evolve and can change. And so for the photographer who's listening, who's five years in or 10 years in, what are some things that they can be doing to keep, uh, you know, um, their finger on the pulse of, of their ideal client to, to kind of be aware of where things need to continually be evolving and shifting and changing. Are there any tips that you have for someone as, as they're growing their business that's well experienced? Absolutely. Because it's super easy in that situation to get complacent, to think, okay, I'll just keep doing the stuff I'm doing. It'll keep working. I'll keep getting the same people, but things are always in flux. And you change, people change. So a a big part of the book, the kind of last third of the book, is really dedicated to interviewing your best clients, the people you wish you could clone, and asking them questions to get an insight on 
why they decided to work with you over someone else or why they booked a particular package because maybe there's something about that package that you're not seeing or maybe there's even something about yourself that you're not seeing and when you ask this question you see those common threads come out that's scary but beyond that yeah, That's, I think a lot of people are probably listening. They're like, "No way, I'm not. I'm not like going to be interviewing anyone. <laughs> what if they say something I don't want to hear?" You know, like, are you, have you encountered that as you kind of coach other people on this whole topic? The fear behind what it's going to look like to actually be interviewing uh, past clients. Most of the fear tends to come from a place of like, "I've never done this before. This seems weird." How am I going to get them to agree to go along with this? What do I ask them? Those sorts of, you know, more how-to practical kinds of things. Sure. So then what what does it look like to actually reach out and to begin to conduct an interview? Is this something that uh, you recommend creating like online, through email? Are you meeting in person? I mean, what's the advice here? So... I really like to reach out by email to propose this interview. And the way that has worked really well for me and really well for my clients is flattery, but honest flattery. Okay. Telling them that, that, (laughs) telling them that, look, you guys are amazing. If I could work with people just like you on a daily basis, I'd be the happiest person on earth. So, would you take 20 minutes to uh, have a Skype call with me, have uh, a coffee with me, whatever, uh, so that I can learn more about you to figure out how I can attract more of the bends of the world? Yeah. And their response to that is often like, oh, well, yeah, of course. I'll sit down and tell you all about myself. Of course, of course. I love it. And when it comes to actually conducting it, I prefer voice, whether that's in person or on a call over text, because what we do when we type things is we self-edit a lot more than when we're just talking. And when we're just talking, you can get into the tangents that are just gold mines of really, really helpful information. Or you get into the situation of regret. Like I do these live videos every day on Facebook and sometimes I say things and I'm like, Oh, I wish I could take that back. (laughs) I probably shouldn't (laughs) have said the F word that many times, uh, live, (laughs) (laughs) but I get it. But there's, but you're right because the gems are there The you can't censor. It's just, it's real. It is what it is. It's very authentic. Yeah. And, you know, people are more open to running down those rabbit holes when they're talking to someone as opposed to like when you're writing an email, you're going to read that back before you send it and be like, oh, no, I need to cut all this out. This doesn't make any sense. That's the stuff you want, though. Yeah. So for the sake of time, we don't we don't really have the ability to go through all the questions, but maybe let's talk about one or two kind of essential questions that you find critical uh in in this kind of process of of interviewing is there one question that you're like man this is such an important question and or even it's a great way to phrase it because there's a billion things that we could be asking do you have any like recommendation on one go-to yeah um and i mean it depends if this is someone you've worked with or not because there are benefits of interviewing people who 
you think would be your right person and you just kind of want to learn more about them, but you haven't worked with them. But you obviously can't ask them questions about why they chose a particular package. Sure. For the sake of this part, let's assume this is someone who, let's go the direction, let's keep it applicable for people. Let's go the direction of a past wedding photography client. We melted their face, exploded their hearts. They loved everything. We loved everything. Their images are all over our portfolio and they were shared a billion times on Facebook, which led to a Huffington Post uh, a blog. <laughs> Super specific. We're reaching so I'm going to give a couple. Person. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to give a couple. Definitely why me. So why did you decide to work with me instead of another photographer? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to go into their experience in looking at other photographers and what it was like for them and what drew them to you, if anything made them feel a little iffy about working with you. That's definitely helpful to know. So you can change that. Mm-hmm. But because we're marketing to people and not just, you know, like money bots that buy our things, asking a question like, how would your partner or your best friend describe you? Or what would you say to a friend if you were recommending me? That is really, really helpful because you're going to learn about them as people and you're going to get a lot from their language because the language that they use to describe their problems. And I don't mean like, you know, we're not curing cancer here, but everyone works with someone because there's a problem that needs to be solved. They need something from you. They want something from you, but the way they describe that can differ wildly. And it might be that the problem that they have or that they want solved is actually different from what your assumption was, like I said at the top. But when you get their actual language, you can use that language in your marketing. So when you actually hear how someone describes your services, using that kind of a description is going to just stand out among all of the other photographers in your area because you're describing it in a way that that person cares about and that that person really loves and would say to someone else because they don't care about a lot of the things that we care about. Yeah, I think this is this is uh, this is so helpful. I think a lot of photographers struggle with this kind of copywriting portion of things, especially because we're we're all we're so close to it, and we're all mm-hmm. like knee deep in it. We're surrounded with all the same jargon. We follow all the same you know blogs and photographers, and so it's like things like you know whimsical or you know like there's just like these kind of phrases that get. Uh, stated over and over and over and over again. Um, so I love this idea of, of creating the type of copy that is going to be much more authentic to what your clients are actually using rather than what we think they're, they're using. I love it. Yeah. You have to speak their language. This is awesome. This is perfect. Um, keep, okay. Keep going. Another example. Of a question? Yeah. Okay, let's see here. So I really like to ask uh, what brands they're really into because they're usually going to cite large brands who've spent a lot of money on this kind of information. (laughs) Sure. And you can look at it and see how they're communicating. How are they describing their products? So if they say, um, like, I, I 
gave a speech about this and someone said, oh, my God, I never really thought about this. But every one of my brides has a Kate Spade bag. They're really into Kate Spade. So you can look at that site. And, yes, it's a different industry. But you can see the tone that they're using the design that they're using. Is it that it's like super colorful? Is it more muted? Is it uh, stylistically like very geometric in their design or is it, you know, very minimalist and looking even just at the descriptions of these purses, how you talk about something that you want someone to justify spending a whole bunch of money on when they're, are literally endless other alternatives that are much, much cheaper. Mm. That is really, really valuable to see. Yeah, I love this. I think there's a lot of conversation out there about ideal client and, you know, what it like, where do they shop? What kind of music do they listen to? That kind of stuff. Um, but I haven't really heard anyone talk about how to strategically use that information. And what you just mentioned there, you're so right. I mean, these big brands spend countless amounts of like and fathom amounts of money on fully understanding their brand positioning, their marketing, the way a certain color makes uh, their ideal client feel the way the typeface, you know, w- would subtly influence. And so for you to essentially just like hack into that <laughs> to recognize that you have a shared audience, a shared ideal client base and just hack into what they've already uh, done all the, the hard work for and, and pull from, I think it's incredible. I think it's genius. I love it. Um, but, but let me ask you this though, out of all the questions, out of all the answers you're going to get, how do you like measure what actually matters? Cause there's going to be certain outliers, right? Certain things that, uh, certain answers that you're going to receive and that maybe, the you know the the weight isn't quite there in terms of how it affects your brand and how it affects how you're going to reach your ideal client. How do you measure what actually matters from these interviews? So I definitely think the kinds of questions that I lay out to ask previous clients are weighted more heavily because that influences someone who's at a point where they're looking at you and they're trying to decide what to do. So they're trying to decide whether they're going to contact you, whether they feel like you get them, whether um, you're a good fit, essentially. So those are really, really useful kinds of questions. And they're ones like, uh, so why did you decide to work with me instead of another photographer? Why did you book this particular package And a technique I get into more in the book is digging deeper with each of these because they may say something like, well, I wanted to make sure that I had coverage for the entire day. And you could leave it at that, but that doesn't really help you. So asking, well, why did that matter to you that you had coverage throughout the entire day? Then you're probably going to get a more personal emotional reason or story or someone they knew and something awesome happened at their reception, but the photographer had already left or there's a story about great grandma and you want to make sure you capture everything you can of her. That's where you really get into the humanness and the motivations and that. I think is really the most overlooked thing when it comes to how to 
market your business because that's what we're marketing to. We're not marketing to people's logistical sides. We're marketing to their emotional side and the reasoning that they use there is really crucial. Yeah. I love this. This is uh, this is a conversation that I haven't heard kind of identify to that degree in regards to uh, ideal client, you know, in that kind of way. And, and I see so much crossover here, even in regards to, I, I actually mentioned this earlier, but the idea of like the, the kind of abstract nature of the word ideal client as it relates to the word value, like what, like mm-hmm. everyone talks about value, but the, even what you just said right there, it's a very similar thing when we're having the value conversation, it's understanding what, what actually do people value? What are the things that they're, what, like, how do people make decisions? Um, and when you start to understand what people value and you start to understand what makes them tick and how they feel, um, everything changes, right? We're, we're really no longer talking about pixel peeping at that point and your, you know, your aperture settings or whether or not your image got degraded in quality on Facebook. We're starting to have a conversation about, um, kind of more so like human nature (laughs) and it's a heart check. It's like a heart level thing. Uh, but it, it makes all the difference when, when you start to identify the most successful brands and the most successful photographers specifically out there, it's the ones who are, who have understood, uh, this aspect of business. Yeah. And my goal with this book is to really help people understand their best clients on a personal level on a, if you were going out for drinks with them and you were meeting up with a friend, you wouldn't say, Hey friend, we're meeting up with this woman that I worked with and she's between 25 and 45 and a 30 mile radius of the Washington DC area. Like that, that's not how you talk about a person. Yeah. So if you're unsure of how to really pin down who that person is, it's incredibly hard to market to them because you have to market to, like you were saying, their values, their motivations, their emotions. So I really want for people to be able to understand what's going on in the heads of their best clients so that they can use that to bring in more people just like them. Love it. That's awesome. Heidi, where can people find out more about your book, clone your best clients and more about you, where you went online, where can we dig into more of this? So my site is evolveyourweddingbusiness.com and you can get to the book either directly on Amazon or through evolveyourweddingbusiness.com slash book. That'll take you right to the right page for wherever you are in the world. And uh, yeah, it's available on both Kindle and paperback. Nice. I'll get a link down there for everyone as well uh, to check out. Heidi, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate this. I love the conversation. Uh, it's it's unexpected, actually, which is I'm so excited to say. I thought it was going to be, well, the same conversation that I'm used to hearing about ideal clients, which is the, you know, a 20 to, to a 25 to 30 year old female within a 30 mile radius uh, who has a salary of, you know, 70,000 a year. You know, do you know what I mean? And so I love the direction yeah. that this has gone. I think that you're, you're really moving forward with something that has great value and power for, for anyone who picks it up. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope this helps people actually 
put this into application so that it's not just one of those exercises you do as like a business worksheet. <laughs> sure, sure. I totally get it. <laughs> Heidi, thanks again. Hopefully we'll talk sooner than another year, okay? Okay, thanks so much, Ben. Bye, girl. Cheers. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you guys took a ton away from Heidi. I think for me, one of the biggest takeaways was taking this idea of ideal client, identifying your ideal client, and instead thinking more about who am I, what am I the go-to person for? You guys, uh, I, I'm just I'm so excited about this episode. Go ahead and check out her book. I'm going to drop a link down below, uh, Clone Your Best Clients. There'll be a link right down below for that. You guys, before we go, can I thank you? Can I thank you guys so much for leaving reviews? Um, there's been an influx of reviews, and I just have to express so much gratitude for you. I read every single review, and I just want you guys to know that. And so uh, I want to highlight one today because it just really got me jazzed up. This came from Vince Alonzo. He says this, top notch. Ben is doing a fantastic job with this podcast. I subscribe to numerous photography-related podcasts, but really only keep up with a select few. Six-figure photography has quickly become one of the mainstays on the long commutes to work. The caliber of guests and business advice provided here will hook you right from the first episode. Keep up the good work. Vince, thank you so much. You keep up the good work. You guys, if you have a moment, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review. You can do this. There's instructions over at sixfigurephotography.com backslash review. Or if you're on your uh, on your iPhone, your mobile device, there is uh, right inside the podcast app a way to leave a review. And this does a couple things. Number one is it fills me up. And when I'm full, that means I work harder uh, to bring you guys more and more episodes and keep this thing going for the long term. But more than that, these reviews allow us to get more attention and more attention means bigger guests. And so I want to encourage you guys, please, if you have a moment to leave a review, uh, I would love to get a chance to check in and uh, and read what you guys have to say. Thank you so much for listening. <clears throat> By the way, I do have to apologize. Uh, I'm trying to hide the fact that I'm sick and I think I'm failing at it. You guys, thank you so much for listening. We will be back at it on episode 55 of the SFP podcast. Hey, babe, where's the day quill?